My name is Sean Stover. I get to serve on staff here at Cypress Creek Church. Fun to be with y'all. Last week, Jose talked about something that seemed to resonate really closely with what Patrick was just saying as he was reading about Elijah and uh, trusting in the Lord and listening for his voice. And Jose taught about our uh, strength needing to be renewed and how that's what God does. God renews our strength. He used uh, Isaiah 40, which is a really cool chapter. If you want to read back through that, if you didn't get to see last week, go back and look at it. He did an amazing job talking about Isaiah 40 and how comfort, the comfort of the Lord, when we exercise just a few disciplines, unleashes this strength that renews us. Isaiah 40, actually, verse 1 starts this way, and it's going to be a good way for us to jump off this morning as we kind of continue on with what Jose said. Comfort, my people, says your God. Comfort. It's, it's, a, it's a weird word, actually. It kind of has a couple of different connotations. One is just, you know, we get comfortable and we get lazy and we're, you know, it's like, don't get too comfortable. We, gotta, we got stuff to do. And the other is, you know, the comfort that we give to each other, this ability to kind of come alongside each other and love and care for each other. And that's the part that we're going to talk about today because the reality is God, first and foremost, comforts us. And he comforts us when we do the disciplines Jose talked about last week, when we rest in him, when we hope in him, when we wait on him, then he comforts us and we receive strength. That's an incredible source of strength, the most important source of strength. But it's not enough. Believe it or not, we need more. We need each other. And that's what we're going to talk about today is kind of the continuation is, okay, so how do we come alongside each other? Because it's a crazy world out there, and we can't do it alone. You can't do it by yourself. You need people to come alongside you. What does it look like to not only receive the comfort from the Lord, but to be a comforter to the people around you and receive the comfort that they are required to share with you as well? Think about comfort for a moment. Where do you feel the most comfortable? Where is that spot? Where is that place? What is it that's going on where you feel the most comfortable in your life? got some spot in your mind? Friday, I had to undergo this procedure. I will spare you the details, but it was an interesting situation because they wheeled me into this room, this operating kind of procedure, surgical room, and the doctor is in there. The bright light is on. I'm in this bed that's really hard uh, as a rock, and then there's an anesthesiologist, an anesthesiologist assistant, a nurse, a nurse's assistant, and they're all in there, and the doctor looks at me, and he says, okay, get comfortable. And I'm thinking, one, I know what you're about to do to me. And two, there's nothing in the circumstance around me that is comfortable. You obviously don't understand the word comfort. Like you've never had an old lazy boy recliner for like eight years that your spouse wants you to throw out. But man, you flip that thing back and it is, oh, this is my happy spot. You've never had that. Or maybe you've never been outside on a hot day and had an air conditioner to go inside to. Or maybe you've never been outside on a cold day and had a heater to go into. Maybe you've never had an old pair of blue jeans that was kind of stretched out, maybe half a size too big, but man, that felt good when you put them on. Or a pair of old boots that had holes in them that you're supposed to throw out because they don't look any good anymore, but they're broken just right and they're so comfortable. This guy must have never had any of that. He must have never laid beside a a river on a hot day with a, you know, just letting the sun kind of get on him. He must have never got in a refreshing pool when he was exhausted and, you know, sweating. I don't know. I felt for the guy, and I started to have a good 
long psychological conversation of where his lack of understanding for comfort comes from. And then this anesthesiologist shows up and 15 seconds later, I have no idea what happened after that. But comfort, where's that comfortable place for you? It may be in a relationship. Do you have some people in your life, just some old friends or some people that you know are in your corner? You know where that phrase, in your corner, comes from? It's kind of a, it's kind of a boxing metaphor. Sometimes like a boxer goes into this hostile environment, you know, where there's, I mean, Ben talked about Rocky the other day. So you can think about that. If you watch one of those old Rockies where Rocky went to the Soviet Union and he was over there boxing and all the crowd was against him, the other boxer was trying to beat his brains out, and all he had was the person in his corner, was that trainer. That's where that phrase comes from. Do you have somebody in your corner? Do you have somebody that brings you that kind of comfort? When things are down, you know you can make that phone call, and they're going to answer. And more maybe to the point of today, are you that person for the people around you? See, it turns out uh, that first, Second Corinthians actually says it this way. It, it continues on what Jose was saying about God comforting us to renew our strength. And it says, praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles. Amazing, that's what we talked about. But then it goes on to say, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. We have a responsibility. We get an opportunity to receive from him and a responsibility then to share that with others. I'm working through life, just like the rest of y'all. I'm on this journey, and I'm trying to understand this idea of seeing the world through a biblical worldview, not seeing it the way the television wants me to see it or the way my parents wanted me to see it or the way our culture wants me to see it, but the way God sees it and the Bible talks about it, biblical worldview. And there's some things that are challenging for me in that. It starts way back early on. Genesis chapter two, there's a verse that says, it is not good for man to be alone. Now, from my worldview, that's wrong because my worldview says that's the best, man. When I'm by myself, put me on a golf course with nobody else, no group in front of me, nobody behind me, me, just me and the Lord and walking around out there, that's the best. I almost said that in that Nacho Libre thing because you guys, they've been making me watch Nacho Libre and I almost said, <laughs> said it that way. Sorry. The best, that's the best when I'm out there by myself. So... Oh, man, our poor Spanish translator right now is going <laughs> sick in her head. I like being alone, but God says it's not good for man to be alone. Think of how good Adam had it. He and God were hanging out. There was nobody messing it up. There was no woman making demands on him. There was no kids needing stuff from him. It was good. But God said that's not good. It's not good because he was by himself. And I would be miserable without my wife. Let me just add that in right now at this moment. <laughs> try to redeem a little of what's happening here. Um, here's the deal, you guys. We need each other. And we've got to learn how to take what God gives us and share it with each other in a way that makes a difference in the lives of the people around us. Galatians 6.2 goes so far as to say it this way. Carry one another's burdens, for in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now that's pretty weighty stuff, right? Fulfill the law of Christ. What in the world? The law of Christ, I better fulfill that. What is the law of Christ? Well, basically the law of Christ is just the new command that he gave us. The new command he gave us was to love one another. How do we love one another? By carrying each other's burdens. 
It's not that complicated to read, but it's pretty complicated to put into practice. If your authority figure in your life says something to you like, hey, you need to go mow the yard, or you need to get the upstairs picked up, or you know what, you need to show up in Atlanta because I got a big meeting for you, or you need to do whatever it is, the first thing you're going to do is say, okay, they need me to do one thing. First question I need to ask is, how do I do that? So when God says to us, you need to do one thing, love one another, our first question should be, how do we do that? By carrying each other's burdens. We need to take the comfort we've received and share it with others. So that's what we're going to unpack today. It's just a few examples of how to do that practically. Um, Henry Cloud said it this way. If you were around last year, we went through churches that heal and kind of talked about what to do with some of the hurt and the pain that we're feeling, the depression, the anxiety. It's just increased in our culture since last year. Depression's higher. Anxiety's higher. Lots of stress on people. But Henry Cloud said it this way. We all draw life from outside of ourselves. The Bible says to heal the brokenhearted, not to tell the brokenhearted to heal themselves. Giving somebody a Bible verse and sending them on their way is okay, but maybe they need you to go alongside them for a little bit. What's that look like to do practically? We can kind of get some hints as to what that looks like in Romans chapter 12. So we're gonna dig in there. If you wanna open your Bible or whatever source of biblical information you have with you today, we're gonna go Romans chapter 12 and start right at the beginning. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Saying in view of all that God has done for you, and mercy in that sense is saying of all the things God has done, God being your comforter, Jesus being your savior, in view of all that, our response should be to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. Let's just pause and, and, and say right now, to come alongside others with comfort is gonna take sacrifice on your part because the first thing that you're gonna say that I say is, I don't have time. Ain't nobody got time. You gotta make time. You gotta set boundaries in other areas so that you're available and you have margins so that you can show up for the people around you that mean the most to you. You gotta sacrifice sometimes. You keep moving on. Romans 12, 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. How do we know what God wants us to do? He goes on and explains a lot of what he wants us to do. Romans 12, 3, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same functions, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We belong to each other, and we all show up with unique things. The first point in this little section is that we need to take an honest evaluation of what we bring to the table without comparing ourselves to others. Like, but that person's so much better at comforting others because they make the most amazing casserole and people are always impressed when they show up with that. Well, that's their gift. That's okay. You know, well, I can't do it like they, they they're just amazing counselors and they give wisdom and say the right word at all the right times. I can't do that. That's okay. Well, I wish I could do it like them. They're, they're passionate, energetic, and encouraging, and when they show up, it just seems to brighten the whole room. I'm not like that. That's okay. Don't be like you're not. Be okay with who you are. You are already equipped with what it takes 
to comfort the people around you. So that's what it's saying. So then it goes on to list a few. Now, this isn't an exhaustive list of the spiritual gifts because Paul, in different places to different, you know, Ephesians and he's collaged right into different groups, talks about different giftings. But here are just a few. Verse six, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouraged, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is a lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. That's a pretty cool list, actually, though, if you think about it. Some of us have the means to give. Some of us have the ability to encourage. Some of us have the awesome gift of showing mercy. Some of us can lead and organize all of that. Some of us are just pure servants. I mean, there's just so many good things in there. We need to show up for others. And you keep moving forward. If, if you're, in my Bible actually has a heading for Romans 12, 9 in this section. It says, love in action. So if our command, if to fill, fulfill the law of Christ, we're gonna love one another, then I, then I like the thought of this is what love in action looks like. Verse nine, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves. Love's gotta be sincere and devoted. It's gotta honor the other person with humility. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Isn't it fun that we have people around us that just have this amazing fire for the Lord and this passion and this energy and they express it well? I don't have, I don't have that outward expression the way some of the people around me do, but I love it when I see it. I want more of it. Verse 12, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Man, that alone could go on your refrigerator. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Help others. Be kind. Share what you have. Open your home and your blessing to the people around you. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. You don't have to retaliate. God will do that. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. It's saying don't just, it's not just you, not just the people that look like us that we need to hang out with. There are people who are less fortunate. There are people who don't have all the gifts or the blessings we have. We need to be willing to come alongside them as well. We're gonna put those kind of last few verses, 15 and 16, into operational practice here for just a second because that idea of rejoicing with those who rejoice and mourning with those who mourn is really what it looks like to be in somebody's corner. If you've ever watched a Rocky movie or if you've ever seen a boxing match, that's what's going on in the corner. When things are going bad, that you know trainer is right in it with them shouting advice and encouragement when things are going good at the end they're all celebrating with them rejoice with those who rejoice mourn with those who mourn what does it look like to do that practically we'll just give you some practical steps to showing up for the people around you the first step practical by the way this is actually one of my spiritual gifts is to be really practical which drives most of the people around me really crazy because we don't always have to buy the practical car or we don't always have to do the practical thing, but I'm teaching today, so we're doing the practical, okay? <laughs> so practical, list of six. Like Taylor said, you can just kind of get it off the ccc.guide if you want, but number one is to show up and be fully present. If you have ever tried to get your kids to do something new, you know that the showing up is most of the battle, right? 
first day of school, got to get them to show up. Once they're there, things usually end up okay. But man, getting them there, there's a lot of anxiety, a lot of tears, a lot of fear, a lot of whatever. You know, man, I, I really know you have the courage to jump off of that rock into that water. I'm really scared. You got to get them up to the top of the rock and you get them up there and they show up up there. It's kind of, that's a lot of the battle. Showing up is a lot of the battle when it comes to caring for others. Because like I said, we don't have a lot of time. We're busy. We got stuff going on, but we desperately need people to show up. You know, one of the hardest things to do is to show up when somebody else is really hurting. Like showing up when there's a party, it's fun. Showing up when somebody's hurting, it's difficult. But we need that. And then when you show up, that the second half of that phrase says, and be fully present. Think about that for a minute. Do you know somebody in your life, or have you had some interaction in the last week or two where the person across from you feel like they were fully present with you? If you have, man, high five yourself, because that is rare these days. To actually have an interaction where somebody's not checking their cell phone, or, you know, hey, that was cool what you said, I'm gonna tweet that out real fast, or whatever in the world we do that distracts us in our multitasking, it keeps us from just being focused on what's going on right in front of us. But if you got somebody in your life that's good at that, man, it, it's, it's intense and it's comforting all at the same time. It's like they're just looking at you. They're just listening to you. They're not even thinking about the next conversation or what's going on over there or who's gonna walk away while they're having that or what opportunity they might miss by spending that time with you. What if we were those kind of people? That verse, 1 Peter 1.22 says, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. That's what it needs to look like. What does it look like to fully invest yourself by showing up and being present? Second step in the process is what do we do once we get there? Well, you need to listen. You need to listen to understand. And I know it's an often quoted verse and it's pretty simple and a lot of you have heard it, but James 1.19 is still true, maybe more true than ever. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I teach up here, you know, quite a bit. And when I do, quite a bit, I will say, the world is short on people who listen and really heavy on people who gotta be heard. Let's be listeners. It will set us apart. What does it look like to be that person that is slow to anger and slow to speak and quick to just say, tell me how it's going and be fully present while you listen? Because feeling understood is incredibly powerful. I was, uh, Mary Dunn was here at the first service and she told me she's kind of a brain neuroscience geek. And she said that the research shows that the part of your brain that lights up when you feel understood and heard is the same part of your brain that lights up when you feel loved. Like your brain is processing feeling understood and heard as feeling loved. It's the same kind of place, which makes sense. That's why the Bible says that. You know, First Peter, later on, he says, you know, husbands, love your wives in an understanding way so as not to hinder your prayer life. That's a pretty strong call for us as men to come alongside our wives to try to understand them. And man, that's not always easy because sometimes they don't understand themselves and you gotta kind of listen a lot to figure that out. But it's our job. It's what it says to do. Solomon said, if it costs you everything you have, get understanding. It's powerful. And when people feel understood, they feel comforted. You've, you've done it just right there. If you showed up, they probably felt more comfortable. If you've been present, they feel more comfortable. If you've listened to them to understand, they're gonna feel comforted at that point. 
Christina and I uh, went to a marriage intensive. It's a thing for couples that are kind of struggling. And we went uh, just before the pandemic. So it's been about 18 months or so, 16 months ago. And uh, the counselors were amazing. They helped us a bunch. And probably the key to the whole deal uh, for us, and it's different for everybody that goes there in different places, but for us was that they taught us how to comfort each other. And the key to us learning to comfort each other was understanding. Like I, I did a lot of things that were hurtful to Christina, um, particularly around not ending relationships that I should have or kind of keeping things going um, in our life that I should have said no to that were damaging to her. And she never, it, you know, it didn't make sense. She just thought I was, you know, insensitive to her. Um, but the counselors kind of helped us both to understand that, man, as a nine-year-old boy losing uh, my mom, death and loss are huge for me. And so whenever even ending a, a friendship, like to me, that needed to end felt like another huge loss and hit that old spot inside of me. Wasn't an excuse for my not doing what I should have, but it created understanding for Christina's to, okay, that's why. That's why that's going on. And that understanding allowed her to then kind of, instead of being angry with me, show comfort. And I learned so much about her through that process, but that's her story to tell. Um, the reality is understanding unleashes comfort if you're willing to walk that path. The third step, if you want to get practical, is then after you've listened, you need to show compassion and care. That 2 Corinthians verse that described God as the God of comfort, it actually says before that, the little phrase was the father of compassion. That's super cool. Compassion is the ability to show and express care for the person across from you. We desperately need compassion in our world. Uh, Jesus, over and over again, I love this phrase is repeated at least five times in the Gospels. It says, Jesus saw and had compassion. That's pretty cool. When Jesus saw a situation or saw a person or saw someone hurting, the first thing that happened was it says he had compassion. People around us need compassion. And I know, man, some of y'all are tough, manly men, you're farmers and you're ranchers and you're construction guys. And, you know, it's like, well, I show my wife I love her. I show my kids. I change the oil when it needs changed. And I make sure the grass is mowed. And that tells them I love them. Well, maybe. But, man, you could show some compassion, too. Because the big old mean, tough God who created the world and defeated the enemy and went to the cross was willing to show compassion consistently in his manhood. Show compassion I like the verse in Colossians. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I don't know why he chose that phrase, but he did clothe yourselves. It's basically saying put it on when you start your day. Put on these things, these qualities, these attributes that will make a difference and comfort the people around you. Look at the list real quick. It's on the screen. Which one of those did you forget to put on this morning? Which one of those have you already violated? Which one of those can you head back home and just stick on before you kind of have the next interaction with the people around you? Compassion is powerful, you guys. There's research, there's just comprehensive research that shows the number one best predictor of marital satisfaction is the amount of compassion in the relationship. Not the ability to resolve conflict, not the amount of financial support they have, but the ability to show compassion and have compassion is the best predictor of marital satisfaction long-term. Number four, Practical steps for comforting others. Speak with encouragement and wisdom. Thank the Lord you do get to talk at some point, all right? You don't have to just sit there quiet the whole time. 
But after you have understanding and after you've shown compassion, you've earned the right to now speak with encouragement and wisdom. And I got to remember these steps in order because after an athletic event, I'm ready to fast forward to number four with my kids and help them understand with wisdom the encouragement I need to give them to perform differently the next time they're out there. But they really need me to pause and they need me to do those first things. Maybe get to this and maybe not even get to this, depending on the moment. But we have the ability to encourage each other, you guys. What comes out of our mouth can be so uplifting and so comforting to the people around us. Proverbs talks about the wisdom that we can share with each other. It's needed. Sometimes we just need the right word. Somebody that can comfort us with that. Sometimes we just need somebody to tell us we have what it takes and we're gonna get through it. We need that encouragement. That verse in Ephesians verse 29 says, you get to choose what comes out of your mouth and choose to only let out what's gonna build others up according to their needs. Sixth step, no, fifth step, practical steps for comforting others, act with kindness. So you've listened, you spoke, now you get to act. Act with kindness. Some of you are amazing at this, serving. I love this, man, we got automated meal trains now. So anytime something goes on with somebody, there's a meal train that pops out. And like people deliver meals, and that's a great way because you show up with the meal. And then, you know, once you're there with the meal, you can kind of actually be fully present with them for a second. You can listen, and maybe just in a short period of time, you can deliver comfort. And if not, you just drop the meal on the step. You're delivering comfort by that act of kindness. I love the meal trains. Me and the kids love the meal trains, man. We're like, yes, meals are happening in our house. And uh, we try to scrape some out before it goes out the door, you know. I mean, Christina is amazing at serving people and, and getting meals to others. Act with kindness. We do just need that sometimes. We need somebody just to come alongside and serve us in some way to take care of some little issue that we have going on. Don't overlook the fact that action can bring comfort to others. Sixth practical step in the process. Last one I've got on on the list. Pray. Powerful scripture, James 5, 16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Once someone has shared their hurt or their mistakes or their errors with you and you've comforted them, then it's time to pray. And I kind of joked with Rhonda the first session earlier this morning at the gathering because, you know, I, I don't want to belittle prayer, but I want to put it, I, I like it in this sequence right here. I like it sixth. It's okay if somebody calls you and you don't have time to do one through five and you say, yeah, I'll pray for you. But sometimes, let's be honest, That's our Christian excuse for, I really don't have time to do much else, so I heard you, click. And then as you move quickly into your next thing, you're like, Lord, bless them with whatever they just told me about. That's maybe just me. I was just being honest. All right, just confessing my sins. Now you guys can pray for me, according to that right there. Um, Prayer is amazing and it's powerful. But even the prayer team, man, I've called Rhonda when I needed a prayer. And I'm just like, hey, I got... I got 30 seconds. I need you to pray for this. She's like, all right, well, hey, tell me what's going on a little bit. I start telling her what's going on. She's like, oh, yeah. And then she's like, shows me compassion. And then she encourages me a little. And then she's like, all right, I'll pray for you. Like, that's, it's good. And and your prayer actually is going to be better if you walk through those first steps because it's going to inform your prayer in a way that really does bring comfort. You pray for, Lord, help me have wisdom to get the right words to share with this person. Help me to know how I can act with kindness in a way that serves them at this place and time and bring comfort to them like only you can. Practical steps, one through six. We'll pop them all on the screen. 
And uh, think about it for a minute. Just naturally, which of those six, which one would you say most naturally you do? Like, I, I wake up and I do that one pretty easily. And which one would you say, you know what, I, I need to work on that. I could be better at that in the way that I come alongside people. If you're here with somebody, turn to them, accountability, just tell them. Tell them which one, which one do you think you could work on? Uh, share it with the person next to you. All right, on the way home, you can tell them the one that you're the best at, and uh, that way if they want to refute it, it doesn't happen in church right here while we're all here. <laughs> Paul kind of wraps up this section of Romans 12, uh, not this section, he actually keeps going, but a few verses toward the end, and he, and he says this, it, it's kind of easy to go comfort somebody that you care about or that you love or that, you know, it reciprocates it to you. The hard part is going to comfort that person who maybe you don't feel like deserves it. Maybe going to comfort that person that's kind of a little rough around the edges or not exactly like you. And Paul says, don't repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. This idea of comfort and peace are closely related. And to the extent that we walk those six steps out with the people around them, we can be a people of peace and a people of comfort that brings something countercultural to the folks around us. We can be those people, carrying one another's burdens. We were talking about praying for a school start. Man, I, I actually have a, a kid that's going into high school, and uh, I have, uh, I know there's some, some girls out here that are going into high school, maybe some others, man, and there's some of you that are a little further along in that high school journey. You need people around you who are in your corner. You need people your age. You will not make it in high school by yourselves. You're not gonna do it. No matter how much you enjoy being by yourself, you need people alongside you that are gonna hold you accountable, encourage you, and comfort you when things get hard. College students, you need that. We all need it. There's a, I love the Olympics, cool stuff going on. I seem to flip it on at the wrong time all the time where some sport is going on that I don't even think should be a sport. Um, handball was happening, which I don't even, I mean, that's something that happens in our living room all the time. They're just running around with a ball, throwing it, you know, it's stuff. Like, we should all be Olympic handballers in my house, best I can tell. Doesn't look like it's much skill or developed in that. Race walking was on the other day. I mean, this is the silliest looking thing you've ever seen, these people walking. And if they actually walk faster than they're supposed to, they get a red card, and then they have to change the way they're walking. I'm like, golly, come on. But the stories, they hook you with the stories, man. That's what they get you with. That's what they get me with, the little sappy backstories about the people. And as there's this girl, man, Eusina Mardini, and she's a swimmer. You might have heard this, but she's on the refugee Olympic team. And uh, in uh, you know, 20 somewhere, 14, 13, she was uh, in Syria. And uh, it was terrible. Bombings, danger, people getting killed. And so she and her sister and about 18 other people hopped on this dinghy to try to make it to Greece to escape what was going on. And uh, they got 15 minutes into the journey and their motor died. And uh, so she and her sister jumped out of the dinghy and swam pulling that dinghy for three and a half hours to get them to Greece. And uh, now she's in the Olympics swimming 
She was willing to get out and carry the burden for the people around her. There's, I don't know what God will do if you show up for somebody when it's sacrificial to you and you give to them, but I can assure you God will use it in your life. He will somehow redeem that time. He will somehow reward you for your effort, and he will somehow teach you something about yourself or him that will change you. Let's be those people for each other.